Hey guys, welcome to the shit show of my 20s. I'm so excited that you guys are here. My name's Sophia. I started this podcast in the beginning of April and I got furloughed at the end of March. And quite honestly, it was so hard for me to comprehend and deal with that. I was like, I have two choices right now. I can start the podcast that I've always wanted to start or I can let this really deter me and start emotional eating and just sit on the couch and do nothing. And I decided to go with the first choice. And I'm so glad that I did because I've got to meet so many inspiring people from all over the world. And I hope that you guys see yourselves in some of these stories because I've just been having so much fun. This has been lighting me up so much. And I'm really glad that I put myself out there and decided to start it. You know, I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to start it. And I'm so glad that I just did that. And I know as an introvert, it's been pretty hard to like put myself out there, talk in front of a camera, talk to all these people I don't know. But I feel like this has been such a growing experience for me. And I feel like I need to share that with you guys because maybe there's something in your life that excites you but kind of scares you at the same time. And maybe it's time to step into that. Today's guest is Sydney. I love chatting with her. She's a lawyer and she's also the host of the Seek the Joy podcast. I love the message that the podcast brings of seeking your joy in your everyday life. I think that's incredible. I think we can all use a bit more joy. And in this interview, what we talk about is how can we add joy to our everyday lives? Her tips on interviewing people, podcasting tips, what inspired her to start her podcast, what it was like to fail the bar exam, how she's able to balance her work as a lawyer and her podcast, and tips for anxiety. So I'm so excited for you guys to hear this episode. Let's get started. So thank you so much, Sydney, for joining me today. Thanks for having me. I'm really looking forward to getting to know you. Love to know your backstory. So tell me, like, how did you get into the career path you have today? If there was any, like, significant moments that inspired you to become a lawyer, tell me about those as well. Oh my gosh, where do I start? So I wanted to be a lawyer since I was 12. I was one of those kids that kind of woke up one day and was like, I'm going to be a lawyer, but really didn't know why, didn't have like a good reason. I just woke up one day and decided this was the path that I wanted to walk down. And so every decision I made from school to friendships, everything in between was all to get me to law school, was to get me there. And it's interesting because it wasn't until law school and it wasn't until I actually was about to graduate from law school that I had this moment of, am I in the right place? Am I doing the right thing? About a month or so before I graduated from law school, so this is April, March, April, 2016, I had shingles at 25. And, you know, you see all these like commercials for shingles and it's all geared towards like people 60 and above. And so for me, it felt really unusual at the time to get shingles at 25. And it was the first time that I really had to stop and slow down, but I didn't slow down because that wasn't my personality. It still kind of is not my personality and recovered from shingles, graduated from law school, spent the next 10 or so weeks studying for the California bar exam. And that's a really intense, strenuous period of time. You're cramming everything you learned from law school, some things you didn't learn from law school in a really short period of time. You, I was studying 12 to 14 hours a day. There was no balance in my life at all. And so by the time I sat for the bar, I was really sick. I was sick emotionally. I was sick physically. 
and came out of that experience kind of not even recognizing myself. A month or so later, I actually had appendicitis and I had to have emergency surgery and I had my appendix removed and the recovery from that was also really hard. And that was the first time in my life I actually had to slow down and I actually had to listen to my body and myself and really gain an understanding of what was going on. If my health stuff wasn't enough, in November, I found out I didn't pass the bar and I didn't pass it by less than 15 points. And up until that moment, I based who I was, my entire self-worth on external things like success, like grades, like how I performed on a test. And so I had this moment, which was kind of my rock bottom at the time of the way I was so mean to myself. I was calling myself names and I couldn't believe I didn't pass the bar and I just was really struggling. And you kind of let yourself experience and feel those feelings. And then the next day I said to myself, all right, we've got to pick ourselves up and we've got to figure this out. And so I went through this like nine month metamorphosis of changing the way I was speaking to myself, changing the way I approached both myself, but also the exam and friends and family and everything. And the word balance kind of came into my life for the first time. So by the time I sat for the bar the second time, which was July, 2017, I came out of that experience totally different. I had studied like a right amount of time. I took breaks. I went on walks. I ate better food. I was talking to myself kinder. And I remember it was like September of that year. And I thought, I really want to like find a way to connect with other people who had similar stories and experiences and, and wanted to share very openly and vulnerably who they are. So I started a podcast and I had no experience in media, no experience in podcasting other than I listened to like 15 shows a week and I loved, I loved it. And I dove in within like two weeks. I had the idea of the podcast, name of it, what I was going to do. And I just launched it. And so now it's been about three years, a little over three years of doing the podcast and it has totally changed my life in a really beautiful way. Met so many people like you, Sophia, through doing the podcast. Made so many new friends and connections. Always forget this part. I did pass the bar the second time. So I am a lawyer now. So I practice law in addition to doing the podcast full time. But I can't imagine my life today without the journey I've been on and the journey I continue to be on and having the podcast be part of that. So that's kind of, I think that's, yeah, that's my backstory. That's kind of how we got here. Let's go into slowing down. Okay. So mm-hmm. slowing down is very uncomfortable. Yes. <laughs> so yes. what tips do you have for someone who's maybe forced to slow down like you? Maybe they're in like a similar situation. They lose a job. They get injured. Something that really forces them to slow down. What tips do you have for them to make that process maybe a little easier for them? I love that you said that slowing down can be really uncomfortable because if you're someone that's always moving, like I'm always moving, I don't, I rarely relax. My version of relaxing is laying down watching a television show, but I still have my phone in my left hand. Like it's a problem, but I have learned to pace myself and I have learned when it's necessary to pull back a little bit. And I think this year, what's so unique about 2020 is so many of us have been asked to slow down whether we like it or not. And the one thing I learned when it came to my health was our, our bodies, our minds, the universe, anything is, is always trying to send us messages and communicate with us about the path that we're on or what it is we're doing or what it is that we're not doing. And often it'll take a big moment to kind of shake you and wake you and get you to pay attention. And oftentimes 
learning to slow down is part of that process of learning to pay attention maybe in a different way than you're used to. So I think my biggest tip for anybody who finds themselves slowing down or wanting to slow down is just to take a breath, like start by taking a breath and taking a step back and and looking at everything that's on your plate and prioritizing it. I think we think everything is a priority, is everything is something that we need to do right now in this moment. But if you can look at the top three things you need to get done in any day, and if you work a full-time job and you don't necessarily work for yourself, you may not have control over all the things you have to do in a day. But even within that, you can take a look at your work to-do list and really prioritize it and prioritize your time and make time for yourself in the day between meetings or between phone calls. This year, especially, it's been really important for me working from home to like figure out how do I break up my day? And so if I take a a walk during my lunch at one o'clock, or if I start off the day with a walk, or I make sure I sit down and actually eat a meal, it's this element of kind of breaking up your day prioritizing things and kind of allowing yourself to take a break. I think sometimes we feel like we have to be busy all the time because if we're not busy and we're not moving, that means we're we're not worthy or we're not working or we attach our worthiness and our purpose to constant movement. But there's a lot that we actually learn and a lot that we actually gain in those moments of rest, in those moments of quiet, or even just in those moments where you pull back. A little bit. You'll learn so much about yourself and kind of what comes to the surface might surprise you and might shock you, but slowing down, you're right. It's uncomfortable. And I think if you can't spend a whole day slowing down, just spend five minutes, start small too. And were you ever worried after you didn't pass the first time that like, am I smart enough? Like, is this going to be something I'm going to be able to pass? Did you have any limiting beliefs come up for you during that time? Oh, totally. Like that was some of the mean things I was saying to myself. Like you're not smart smart enough. You're not good enough. Um, You'll never be able to do this. Your anxiety is getting in the way. You, You are such an anxious person that you won't be able to tackle this. And I would say the biggest thing about the bar is it's, yes, it's about your, your knowledge and your understanding of the topics, but it's really mental. And so it's like this mental Olympics you have to put yourself through and it's hard enough as is. So when you have limiting beliefs or you have negative self-talk that really gets in the way, you're making it 10 times, 100 times harder for yourself. And so I had to retrain my brain. So anytime I had a thought that said, you're not smart enough, I would take a step back and, and say, I am smart enough because, and I would list a reason, even if it didn't make sense, you just list a reason, or I'm never going to be able to get through, you know, five hours of sitting there without taking a break. And I would flip it on its head and say, I will be able to do it because I am practicing, because I am training, because I am studying, because I've done it before. Oftentimes I've found with negative self-talk or limiting beliefs, we often not only have to tell ourselves the opposite, but give ourselves repetition and proof. So you have to do it multiple times for your mind to believe it, which is so crazy. But the power of repetition, I think, is really important in those moments. And limiting beliefs continue to come up. I have them all the time. Like, oh, I'll never get to do that thing I really want to do. Or I don't, you know, I don't have the thing that will get me to the next thing. And I'm really working on telling myself, I I am good enough. I will be able to get there. I'm already there. Just, you know, anything to sort of interrupt the negative self-talk with a positive affirmation or flipping it on its head. It takes, I think, this conscious awareness of being able to interrupt yourself, but 
repeating it and, and doing it all the time, even when it feels uncomfortable. I remember the first time I really was conscious of the negative self-talk and conscious of my attempt to interrupt it. And it was kind of laughable in the moment because I was like, Sydney, do you even believe what you're saying right now? I don't know, but it didn't matter. It's just the practice and the art of, of trying and continuing to try and, and just continuing to do. And over time, it, it gets easier. And when you didn't feel, was that the catalyst moment for you for your personal development journey or did it happen earlier? No, I've been on a personal development journey gosh, probably my whole life. Um, I'm a daughter of a marriage and family therapist. My dad is very much into spirituality and wellness. And so I've grown up my whole life. I feel like I've always been on a personal development wellness journey, but my wellness or or personal development journey, I think, gosh, like the first time I, I was really aware of it had to had to be when I was in college and I had been in therapy, been in and out of therapy for different things mostly for my anxiety since I was probably 11 or 13, seeing a therapist who totally changed my life when I was in college. And she introduced me to this book by Dr. Brian Weiss. It's called Many Lives, Many Masters. And he does something called regression therapy, which allows people to tap into past lives and really get a full or different understanding of why it is they're experiencing something in this moment. It could be attributed to a past life. And I read that book for the first time and it totally opened up my mind and opened up my world. And then I was reading other books and then I was doing yoga and meditation and breath work and working with crystals. And I mean, everything just sort of spiraled out from there, but I've definitely been, I feel like in a lot of ways on a personal development journey my whole life, but I would say not passing the bar was probably the biggest catalyst to get me to wake up in, in a way that I wasn't previously. Mm -hmm. And do you think having your dad as a therapist that really broke the stigma for you around therapy? My mom is actually or your mom's American. Name. My mom is actually American family therapist. Mm-hmm. I never experienced any stigma with therapy growing up. In fact, I didn't know that there was a stigma um, until probably high school. And I think that's just by virtue of the home I grew up in and, and my mom being a therapist. But I never felt I never felt any shame in going to therapy. I certainly didn't always want to go to therapy. Um, I think especially when you're younger, you know, it's not always something you you want to do, but I think you start to see value in it, you know, as you get older. But yeah, I don't I didn't experience that level of stigma, which I, I feel really privileged and, and fortunate to have not to have not experienced that. And is there anything in particular that helped you with your anxiety? The biggest thing that helps me with my anxiety is naming it. The worst thing that I can do is to not name how I'm feeling or not name what's going on. If I if I let it fester and, and pester kind of underneath the surface, it just gets bigger. So the biggest thing that helps me is just starting by naming it and either journaling about it or talking to a friend or, or talking to a family member about it. That has really helped with my anxiety. I, I've also had to really train myself to remember that often the anxiety is bigger than the experience. Often the anxiety is bigger than the conversation. It's bigger than what I'm anticipating. Sometimes a lot of my anxiety can manifest itself as anticipation. And so pushing myself, something I, my mom told me to do since I was a little kid was, let's just try. Let's just go. Let's just see how we do. And continuing to push myself and, and to try something that makes me nervous to sort of prove to myself, you know, that I could do it. That's been 
really, really valuable for me. But I would say the biggest thing has been, you know, naming my anxiety and then staying away from things that kind of rev up my system that could mask itself as anxiety. So I haven't had any coffee this year, which for me is huge because I love coffee. I love coffee so much, but it revs me up and it makes me more anxious. And there are certain foods that I stay away from because it, it makes me anxious as well. And within that too, I think having a regular exercise or walking routine in general has been really helpful. This year, especially with COVID, I have been very nervous about the virus. I, I think most people have been, but still, you know, putting on a mask and going outside and taking a walk and socially distancing for other people that are on walks, that's been really important for me to continue to go outside to, you know, continue to get fresh air and, and see the world in a different way than I was seeing it last year at this time, but continuing to, you know, push myself. And that's been really helpful too. I would love to go into how'd you come up with the title, Seek the Joy? Yeah. So five years ago, I had a conversation with a friend and he, he's a mentor and he said, Sydney, you really need to seek the joy in your life. You really need more joy. And I remember that conversation really vividly. And I actually made a bracelet. It's like a little engraved bracelet. It's over there. I would grab it, but I don't want to, whatever. But um, I'll show you after. And it's a little engraved bracelet and it just says seek the joy on it. And because I really took what he said to heart, I wanted the reminder to seek the joy because I've always, growing up was always like a very serious, studious, person. My friends, my family know my sense of humor and what I love to do. But I think for the most part, I was, I was really serious and joy and following that wasn't really part of my, you know, like everyday routine. So I wanted a reminder. And so I remember when I was trying to come up with the name of the podcast, I was playing around with different things and I looked up and I saw the bracelet out of the corner of my eye on my dresser. And I thought that that's it. It's called Seek the Joy Podcast. That's what it needs to be called. So I stuck with it and I'm really glad I did. I feel like he kind of planted the seed a little bit for the name of the show even two years before I started it. But it's it's really interesting because within seeking our joy, it's very unique and individual to everybody. So what's joy for me is going to be different, you know, from what's joyful for you. And I think that's what's so so great about the podcast and its name is that we can come together around shared experiences, but every experience is going to be unique and individual and you come with your own perspective and your own experiences, but there's always something that binds us. There's always something that we all have in common. And I think that's, that's this sense of connection and this sense of community and, and wanting to get to come together and support one another. So the name I think really suits the show for sure. And what's some things that you do every day to seek the joy in your life? Oh man, I make sure to get on the phone with a friend or a friend from work every day because for me, conversation brings a lot of joy. And especially this year, I mean, I, I don't get to go to work and see my friends at work. I don't get to go and meet up with my friends the same way I was previously. So making sure I take a moment every day, even if it's five minutes, just for that level of connection is really joyful for me. I really love it. Finding time to exercise or go on a walk, make myself a really good lunch or dinner brings me a lot of joy. And then I would say to my reality TV, I love Bravo. And so for me, that has brought me so much joy this year. And I kind of, am, I'm not in, I'm not even a little embarrassed to admit it, but you know, just an hour of like, 
watching people who, you know, are living their life and they're, they're nuts and they're, you know, they're crazy. And it just makes you laugh. I really find a lot of joy in that too. And then this year I picked up like new hobbies. I like started beating bracelets, which was a lot of fun. I had this, I tried the paint by numbers. I can't do it. It's too tedious <laughs> and my wrist, I felt like my wrist was going to fall off, but you know, just trying different things too and different hobbies um, or things to do around the house has been, has been super joyful too. And for someone who maybe wants to add more joy to their life, what advice would you give them? My biggest piece of advice would be take out a piece of paper and think about all of the things that you love to do as a kid. So did you like to create? Did you like to, you know, did you like to have play dates and run around and, you know, chat with your friends? Or did you, you know, like to draw or read? Just think about the things that you really loved to do as a kid. I think as adults, we often, we leave that play, we leave that joy, you know, behind in a lot of ways. And I think if we can find a way to reincorporate it, you know, into our lives as adults, as, as we get older, I think that's really important and a really good step in finding your joy. And I think within that too, is, is making time for it, is making, is making room for it. We all have a schedule. We all have a really busy schedule, but being able to, you know, calendar in or pencil in five minutes to draw or to you know, get a coloring book or pick up the phone and call a friend. I, I think those are really good steps in, in starting to find your joy and not look to anybody else to tell you what your joy is either. I think we often look so much outside of ourselves for other people to tell us, you know, what to do or how we should do it or where to, how we can find our joy. And I, I'm a big believer that it's, it's really within and you can tap into it by, you know, just taking a couple minutes and thinking about what you love to do or what's going to make you happy. And no one else has to understand it either. I think that's important too, is it's about what makes you joyful. It's about what makes you happy and anyone else, you know, not part of the equation. And have you always been on that mindset? About joy? About or? joy and like what brings you joy and it doesn't have to matter what anyone else thinks. No, definitely not. I think it's so interesting because part I, part of my negative self-talk growing up or, or even within within my during my 20s has been really tied to also being, I think, a bit of a people pleaser and wanting to make sure, you know, that what you do is going to be approved by somebody else or your family or your friends or is someone going to understand my life choice? You know, I think we all have these thoughts. But I think it's really, really important that when you look at your life, you want to make sure you're living it for you and you want to make sure you are following what lights you up and what your passions are and what brings you joy, I think is really enveloped, you know, into that. And I think it's a mindset that you have to allow yourself to step into and realizing and recognizing that you can't make everybody happy. You really can't. It's up to you to make yourself happy. And beyond that, you don't have any control. And it's up to someone else to make themselves happy. And beyond that, they don't have any control. And I think if we can remind ourselves of that, I think it's really powerful. And I think it alleviates a lot of the pressure or the sense of, you know, having to make sure that everybody in the room understands you. Always going to have people that understand you. And then you're always going to have people that, that just don't. And that's really hard. I think that's a really hard realization to grapple with. I certainly still struggle with it, but continuing to remind myself that I'm just in charge of me. I can't control anybody else, how they feel, what they think. That's been a huge, God, that's been a huge realization and, and really helpful for sure. And do you have any types of imposter syndrome come up when you started your podcast? Oh my gosh. Yes. 
For sure, because there's so many podcasts out there and there are so many people within, you know, different spaces, whether it's a podcast or a blog or a radio show or a magazine. And I think we all have these thoughts of, should I really be doing this? Or will anybody listen? Or will it resonate with anybody else? And that feeling of imposter syndrome, like, do I belong here? I think it shows up for everybody. And I haven't met anybody who it hasn't really shown up for. But I think if you are really loving what you're doing and you really believe in it and you believe in yourself, I think, as a result, but also because of it, it just allows you to push past those feelings of imposter syndrome. I still have moments like that where I'm like, if I'm reaching out to somebody to come on the show and I'm like, I don't know, you know, I'm sure you experience these feelings too. It's, I think it's hard not to have that sense of imposter syndrome, but I've really come to believe that we all belong in the spaces that we want to be in. So if you have a dream, if you have an idea, um, if you see yourself doing something, it's there for a reason. And it's up to you to have that moment of courage and hope and I think faith as well to be able to step forward and, and do those things. I really don't think those thoughts, you know, appear randomly. I really think there's a purpose and a reason for them. So if you feel like you don't belong in a space that you really want to be in, it's up to you, I think, to keep pushing yourself, to keep moving forward, to keep allowing yourself to step into that space and just see what happens. It may not pan out the way that you want or the way that you anticipate, but that's okay. You know, we're not going to succeed at everything we try, but I think it's important to try. And it's important to put yourself in the arena and to keep allowing yourself, you know, to to be part of the conversations that you really want to be part of. And I know this probably sounds totally easier said than done, but it is totally about practice and repetition and and continuing to put yourself, you know, put yourself out there. And it may actually turn out so much better than you anticipated. I mean, I'm sure Sophia, when you started your podcast, when you started this podcast, you had no idea that by now you would have had conversations with over a hundred people. You know, you just never know where it's going to take you. So the ability to just try and to just see what happens, I think it's such a gift to yourself that you're so deserving of. Absolutely. And can you go into your first interview? Who was it with? And what did you learn from your first interview? Yeah. So I started off by just interviewing my friends. And I started off that way because I was too chicken (laughs) to reach out to people that I didn't know. But I also didn't know who I wanted to reach out to first. But I did know I wanted to talk to my friends. And so I spoke, my first interview with was with a friend of mine from law school. Her name is Leah, and she had, at the time, a calligraphy business. And we talked about calligraphy and how she got started, and we talked about how we met. And it was actually so much fun to just have a conversation with a friend or just somebody in general. And then to be able to share it, I was super nervous. I mean, I was nervous when I put out the trailer, which I don't even know if it's considered a trailer today for the podcast. Like, I didn't know what I was doing, but I was just so excited to do it. And then I'm trying to think, I think my first interview with someone who I was not friends with was with, her name is Brittany Priore. She has, it's called the Right Dose Book Club. And at the time it was a online media like magazine, but now it's a book club. And that was so much fun too, because I had an opportunity to learn so much about her and learn so much about her story and also find the commonalities 
as well as the differences in our experiences, but the commonalities really struck me of this need for wanting to find connection and really support one another and how important empowering other women was to her. And it really struck me because I felt such a resonance with her. And it just inspired me. These conversations at the beginning just inspired me to get keep going and get a little braver and reach out to more people. And I'm really glad I did. I'm really glad I did. And it's interesting because listening to the early episodes, they sound so different in a really great way. They sound so different from the episodes that are shared now. But the one thing that has sort of remained is this level of curiosity and wanting to get to know somebody and really just understand them and being able to share someone else's story. I'm sure you found this for yourself too. Being able to share someone else's story is is really an honor and it's really a gift. And then to share it and then other people resonate with it and they they see themselves in that story as well, that's powerful. So early on, it just really gave me like that fuel you know, to, to keep going. I think that's such a great point that you started off with your friends. Cause I didn't even do that. Mm-hmm. I just started off reaching out to people right away. I love that. <laughs> Cause I didn't think about it like that. I just thought like, Oh, I'm going to reach out. To-. I didn't really think about it. Like I didn't really process it. I was just like, but I think that's great. I think that's great because from the get go, you, you were brave, mm-hmm. you know, well, I think it's brave to start a podcast anyway, but you were brave in, in reaching out to people that you didn't know, but that you found, you know, inspiring and who you wanted to talk to and share. And I think, I think that's so cool. I think it's awesome. And for me, starting off with my friends was phenomenal. And I think it was the right thing for me to do and getting to, I'd learned things about their stories that I didn't know, you know, some, some of these friends I've known since high school and there were aspects of what they shared that I didn't even know. So I think it goes to show that there's always something to learn. You know, there's always something to learn about somebody. And what do you look for in guests that you interview? That's a really good question. Um, I think first and foremost is who are they, right? Like, what is it that they want to share? What it is? What is it that they are sharing? And it's interesting because this is my biggest struggle with the podcast is I don't have enough slots to share everybody who I would love to, which is such a good problem, I think, to have. I think you, you probably feel that way too. I've been really lucky that in the last three years, I've never had a moment where I was like, who, who am I going to share? Like, who's going to come on the show? But I, I ultimately really look for people who are inspiring, who will resonate, who have a story, whether we've heard it before or we haven't. I'm a big believer. I say this all the time on the podcast, but I'm a huge believer that we all have a really important story to share. Our voices, if we choose to, they're meant to be heard. And I really want to share as many stories and as many voices as I can. And so I I just have been lucky to, whether it's via the show or the blog that I have with it. And I also have another podcast called Stories of Inspiring Joy, which is like a arm of the show. I've just been so lucky that I've been able to feature and share so many people, but I don't think there's one thing I look for in particular. I think, you know, it's just something that stands out about that person. You're like, oh my God, I have to share them. Like I have to share who they are, you know, in any way that I can. But it's hard on me personally that I can't like release an episode every day because I wish I could because I would love to talk to everybody and, and get to know everybody and, and share, share who they are because we all have like this unique uniqueness about us, whether we've written a book or we've started a business or we've overcome some level of adversity. We all have, you know, 
a component to who we are that's going to inspire somebody else. And I wish I could, I wish I could share everybody, but I just, I haven't figured that part out yet. (laughs) Is there any tips you have for someone who wants to get into podcasting and they want to know more tips about interviewing people? Is there anything that you picked up? Any tips you have on interviewing? Anything you notice works really well for you? It's a great question. You know, everybody has a different interviewing style. And I think it's about getting to know your style. And a great way to get to know your style is also by getting to know your voice and getting to know what it is that you as the podcast host or the podcaster in general have to say. And the process of getting to know your voice, I think, is different for everybody. But the one thing I always share when I talk about that is it's really important to take a step back and think about what has your life experience been like? What is it that you want to share? What is it that you bring to the table? And what is it that you want to share that might actually that will actually resonate with somebody else? And I think getting to know your voice allows you to bring a level of authenticity and courage and honesty to your podcast or your interview or this moment, you know, of connection with somebody. And so I think my biggest tip would be figure out what your style is, figure out what your voice is, what works for me may not work, you know, for somebody else. I always do a good amount of research before I sit down and I have an interview with somebody. I want to know like, you know, what do they have online? You know, what it like, I want to read a little bit about their book or, or their, their business or their platform, whatever it might be. And, and I always try and think about, you know, some questions that I want to, you know, ask them, you know, depending upon whether the, what direction they want to steer the conversation or I would like to. And then I, I really try and just approach it as a free flowing conversation. I am somebody that like, when I'm engaged and I'm and I'm interviewing somebody, I always like have a little notepad next to me and I'm always kind of scribbling notes or words or something that they said that really stood out to me. Because when I'm, I mean, I'm sure you feel this way too, when you're so engaged in the conversation, sometimes it's hard to think of, okay, what do we, what do we want to talk about next? Do you know what I mean? So I think having an idea of some of your questions is really, really useful, but then also allowing enough space, I think, for the conversation to flow, you know, in any direction that it's meant to. I've had times in the last three years where I think we're going to talk about one thing and then the conversation goes in a totally different direction and it's really beautiful and wonderful. And it turns out it went in the direction, you know, that it was meant to go in. So allowing yourself kind of an opportunity to prepare, but also leave enough room for the conversation to flow in a really organic way. I think listening is a huge part of being a podcast host or having a podcast is listening to what your guest is saying, you know, listening to the conversation and figuring out what it is that you're learning in that moment too, because it's probably what your audience is learning as well. So putting yourself in the shoes of of a listener, of someone who's tuning in, I think, I think that's huge. You know, thinking about what, what would someone else want to learn about this person? What, what would they want to know? What's going to be inspiring? And I think it comes with practice too. I mean, I, I still three years, three years later, I'm still learning. And sometimes I'll approach one interview one way and then another interview another way. So it's about, you know, just playing around with it and, and seeing how your style develops and, and going from there. And also knowing you can shift at any time. If you're doing it one way and it's not working, you can always 
pick up and try another way. And that's what's so beautiful about it being a creative space, your creative outlet. You can always, always change directions. Have you ever had a moment where you do an interview and there's no chemistry between you and the person you're interviewing? Yes. Have you had that moment yeah. too? Yeah. It's, it's interesting because I don't know, like I've had moments like that and I don't know what to make of it in the moment. And I think I've just come to realize that, you know, I don't know what happened before they got on the, the phone with me or mm-hmm. on the zoom with me. I don't know what their you know day-to-day life is. So I really make sure not to personalize it. It's, I would say it's never about you or the show. It's often something personal to them if they're, you know, in a funky mood, but also your personalities just may not mesh. And that's really fascinating. And I've, I've had some times where I'm like, should I just end it? Like, this is not going well. And I don't know why. And then I've had other times where I'll just, you know, keep going and, you know, you try and change the questions or see how you can vibe a little bit differently. But yeah, it's really interesting. I have not figured out, (laughs) admittedly, I have not figured out the best way to approach it, but because I, I, I don't know. I've never been someone to say, sorry, this, the vibe is weird. We're, gonna, we're not going to do this because we both have already signed up to do it. And I really want to get to know them. And I really want to, sh- to learn about their story. But maybe in those moments, we are better off just being like, this is not a good fit. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, it's interesting. How, how have you handled those moments? I, I was hoping you could tell me how to. <laughs> <laughs> it's honestly open. I don't know. It's, it's, it's so funny because... I think you just got to see how you feel in the moment. Mm-hmm. And if it's really not working, I've ha- in those moments, I've, I've been able to kind of like massage the conversation and move it a little bit. But if it's really not working, I, I would, I would say, I, I'm sorry. This is, this, this is just not feeling like it's not feeling, it's feeling off. I don't know. And I, and you know, cause here's the thing you want to share and produce a conversation that's going to inspire and connect with your audience and you want them to enjoy listening to your conversation. And if it's not enjoyable for you, I don't think it's going to be enjoyable for them, but yeah, I, I wish I had a good answer to that. I haven't figured it out. I admittedly, I haven't, but Sophia, if you figure it out, no, let me wait, know. you tell me what Please you figure me. it out. <laughs> I if, I, if I figure it out, I'll call you okay. and I'll let you know. Cause so far I'm not, I have not figured it out. That's a great question though. Do you ever notice that like your kind of intuition tells you beforehand or you kind of already know, but you don't listen? Yes. I've had moments where I've gone back and forth about a conversation before it airs and I don't know why, um, but something about it, either the email exchange or, or something about it just feels off. And then, you know, you have, you have a call or a conversation with somebody and you're like, whoa, I knew it. And that's always been a good reminder for me of trust your gut, trust your sense in that moment. And, and that's, that's been really important. I've actually, a couple of times I've, I've felt iffy about the interview and I actually canceled it prior to us even having the conversation. It just didn't feel right to me. And I think that's important for whether it's a podcast or a friend or, you know, dating, whatever it might be. If it just doesn't feel right. You don't feel excited about it. Something feels off. It's okay to put a pin in it, you know, to say, I can, not something I can do right now, but I'll get back to you when my schedule changes. I think it's, it's really okay to listen to yourself and we should listen to ourselves, especially if you have that sense, you know, before, before you've even started. Yeah. 
And is there anything in particular that's really helped you grow your podcast? Hmm. You know, I think what's really been helpful for me is continuing to come back to the podcast's mission and its purpose and its goal. Anytime I've steered away from that without even really, really realizing it in the moment, but in hindsight, you always realize when those moments happen. Whenever I've steered away from the mission of the podcast, it doesn't go so well. So we're continuing to check in and make sure that the conversations I'm having and the people I'm having on really align with the show's mission. And and the purpose of the podcast for me is really to share conversations and storytelling on how we empower ourselves, how we look at, at adversity and allow ourselves to continue to move forward. There's this element of resiliency that comes from really facing the adversity that's in your life and allowing yourself to move and work through it. And within that, I think there's a lot of joy. There's a lot of joy that can come from challenging yourself, from pushing yourself, from allowing yourself to see what you're made of, what you're capable of. And so I really like to make sure that every conversation is going to somehow, even indirectly, just align you know, with that mission. And so continuing to have people on the show who you know, fit that mold in their own unique way has been really helpful for me in terms of growing the show, bringing new people to it, sharing it. And I have grown so much as a result too. My voice, who I am, my understanding of things has grown in a way that I don't know if it would have if it wasn't for the podcast. So I think those things for sure have been really helpful. And what are some of your favorite interviews? Oh my God, where do I start? This year alone, I've had some great conversations. In August, I had a really phenomenal conversation with John Clarence Stewart. He plays Simon on Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. He's phenomenal. It was such a deep conversation, very spiritual-based I I loved having him on. And then I also had Kelly Rutherford on this year too from Gossip Girl. And she's phenomenal. And I love connecting with her. One of my other all-time favorite episodes has to be Myrna Valerio. She is also known as the Myrnavator. She runs ultra marathons. And what's really beautiful and unique about her story is she's not someone who you would maybe necessarily expect to be an ultra marathon runner, but the belief in herself and the way she carries herself and the joy that just radiates from her as a person is just so cool. I think that episode actually aired in 2018. So that's still one that has totally, totally stuck with me. I'm trying to think there, I mean, there's so many more conversations that I love there's always an aspect of every single one that I really love. And that's why I share it. And there's always something that I take from it. That's kind of like a nugget of wisdom or like a light bulb moment. And so I always hope that somebody, you know, will will take the same thing away from the conversation. And what are some of your favorite lessons from some of the guests that you've interviewed? Oh, that's a great question too. I would say, you know, we often, one of the biggest lesson is this, and I think this is a through line with with almost every conversation is we doubt ourselves. We live with this sense of fear, whether it manifests itself as, am I doing the right thing? Am I on the right track? Am I where, am I where I'm supposed to be? Did I make the right decision? We constantly question ourselves. But through that, what is most important is that you allow yourself to try, 
to put yourself out there. You, I keep saying this, putting yourself in the arena. And I know this is something Brene Brown talks about for sure is you have to actually be living your life, experience life, have this life experience to be able to even know if you're in the right space, to even be able to know if you're making the right decisions. And sometimes we let fear paralyze us. We keep it, we allow fear to keep us from even trying. And so I think the big, one of the biggest lessons that I've taken away from the show is you will not know until you actually let yourself live your life. And I think that's something we all need to hear. I think, especially in 2020, when life is unexpected, there are twists and turns. There's always twists and turns, but for some reason this year, we feel, we really feel those twists and we really feel those turns, I think on a more profound level, because it's happening on a world stage, it's happening collectively. And then as a result, it's also happening, you know, individually within our own lives as well. So recognizing that the path is not linear and that it will have twists and turns and that that's part of the adventure. That's part of the journey and you have to let yourself live it. I think that's probably one of the biggest lessons that I've taken from the podcast and, and in my own life too. And what is something lighting you up right now? Hmm. Honestly, conversations, being able to connect. I I'm, I have a busy day every day with work, but I really make sure to carve out time to just get on the phone and talk to somebody, whether it's a family member or a friend um, or somebody I meet through the podcast or just recording for the podcast or, or doing podcast recordings like this one. It really really lights me up. It's been a tough year for all of us. And we all have had, you know, individual struggles and changes and loss that's manifested itself in different ways and holding on to the people that really know you and really connect with you. And you also never know when you're going to meet somebody new who's going to connect with you that way too, and that you're going to connect with in that way. So that's totally lighting me up. The other thing that's lighting me up is, uh, USC football is finally back. (laughs) So I'm excited to be able to uh, watch some football on Saturdays again. That's my alma mater. Gosh, what else is lighting me up right now? (sighs) I think those are the two big things. Yeah, football and connection. And then also working on the podcast. It has been the best creative outlet I could have ever created for myself. And there's always something to do. I always have a new idea. I always have the new idea at like 10 p.m. And then I'm up until two working on it. It's just, if you find something that feels, it's work, but it feels like joy. It feels like adventure. It feels like passion because it is all those things. Just run with it. Even if it comes to you at midnight and you're up all night working on it, I think just allowing yourself to, you know, find something for yourself that's uniquely your own. That definitely, that's definitely lit me up too, for sure. And how do you do it all? Oh my God, I don't know. <laughs> I actually got a text today from a friend that was like, like we were talking about something. She's like, I don't know how you do it all. And honestly, I don't feel like I do it all. There are so many parts of my life I wish that I had or were, you know, manifesting themselves in the way that other parts of my life have already manifested. And I think, you know, it's again about prioritizing. And so for me, I wake up at 6.30 every day. I usually work on the podcast for about an hour. I go on a walk. I dive into work, my work, my full-time job around nine. I'm back working on the podcast from probably like 7 to 8.30 at night. You know, within that during the day, I'm working, I'm talking to friends, you know, staying connected, you know, any way that I can. And then on the weekends, it's, I, uh, I let myself work until about noon. 
in work, I mean like work on the podcast until noon. And then I make myself walk away because I don't know if you experience this, but I could be here all day. Like I could be here all day working and then it's like dark out and I didn't, I didn't relax. I didn't see family. I didn't, you know, do anything else. And so creating that boundary and that barrier for myself has been so important. So I let myself work on Saturdays and Sundays until about 12. And then I've got to peel myself away. And it's interesting because, you know, the more you do something too, the more you get into a flow and you have a workflow and, you know, you plan content ahead of time and you, you know, you make sure you, you take time off when you need it. I'm going to be taking most of December off, which is something I think for me is really important this year with the podcast, especially because I can't take all of December off for my full-time job, but I can, you know, structure in a good break for myself with the show, which I think is going to be so great and amazing to be able to come back in 2021 feeling refreshed and inspired and invigorated to, you know, share great conversations. So I don't know. I don't think I do it all. Maybe that's the best answer I can give, but, you know, creating boundaries for yourself and a good workflow and prioritizing, I think that's been super helpful for me. And what's something that most people don't know about you? Oh my gosh. I'm really goofy. Like I'm a very goofy person. I have like these like like bursts of energy and I just love being with my family and cracking jokes and people may not know yeah just how goofy I am. However, I have started to post on my personal Instagram a little bit more of that goofiness and the things that my my dad and I do together that are so funny and or they're funny to me and I guess they're starting to be funny to other people but it's so funny because growing up, my mom used to be like, were you like a yellow like Labrador retriever in your in your past life? I say yellow because I'm blonde. Because um, I just, I'm like, have all this energy and I just love, you know, spending time and, and just being goofy. So that's probably something people don't know about me because I think I can come off as so serious and I don't mean to, but I definitely have a very goofy, dorky, whimsical side to me for sure. So what is something you're calling in right now? Hmm. It's a great question. I think for me, it would just be feeling more balanced, feeling a little bit more at peace, if that makes sense. There's just been like a huge roller coaster of emotions kind of year. And so the biggest thing I really am calling in, I think for the last, gosh, I think we have like seven weeks or eight weeks left of this year. I don't even know. And for the rest of this year and, and moving into 2021 is just a greater sense of peace and calm and, and balance and taking time away from either work or the podcast to just take care of myself and to just be able to breathe, I think, in a way that maybe I haven't felt like I, I have been able to this year. I think, you know, there were so many shifts from coming home to work to creating new boundaries with work from home to, you know, we, we just it's only been a week since we've technically known who's won the election here in the United States. Like there's been so much that between COVID and, you know, everything else in between. And I don't know how many of us have actually taken a moment to either breathe in or breathe out, you know? And mm -hmm. so for me, that's, that's something I would love to be able to call in more of, I think, as we wrap up this crazy year. And if you can go back in time and talk to your 20 year old self, what advice would you give her? relax, <laughs> relax, because it all ends up working out. I remember, I mean, I felt like this throughout my whole twenties, I'm 29, I'll be 30 in two months, but especially at 20, I 
was not sure what I, I mean, I had always wanted to be a lawyer, but I had this moment of, I don't know, maybe I want to be an epidemiologist. Like that was really what I was thinking at 20. Or do I want to be a psychologist? And I was confused about, you know, was I taking the right courses? Like all the things you worry about, I think when you're, you're in college and you're still figuring out your path. And I would say the biggest thing I would tell myself is just relax. It will all come together, but pay attention to what you love to do and pay attention to what you're excited by. And it's okay if it's not what you originally planned. And it's okay if it looks totally different, you know, from what you either planned or anticipated for yourself. So that's what I would tell 20-year-old Sydney. It's like, just relax and it's all going to come together. I would tell myself that at 29 too, like relax. (laughs) It's all going to come together because it will eventually, you know, it's all coming together now. We just, we just don't know it yet. And is there anything that you're really excited about in year 30? So many things. I'm excited for a new decade. I don't know what it'll bring. I think for me, my twenties has been a really big time of self-understanding and also of really getting my footing and understanding who I am, what I love to do. So that's kind of, you know, the advice I gave myself anyway, but my twenties has been filled with a lot of lessons and a lot of growth and a lot of really self understanding. And within that, it comes a lot of compassion and empathy for yourself and, and learning, you know, not to be so hard on yourself. So I hope that this new decade will allow me to build on this sort of foundation, you know, I've started to create for myself. Um, I would love to just, just see where, where it goes and see what happens. I think it's definitely just another year, but there's something significant. I think about entering a new decade for yourself. I don't know. I don't know, but I'm just excited. Mm-hmm. Birth- birthdays always feel good. It'll be interesting to have a COVID birthday. I don't know what we'll do, what I'm going to do yet. I don't know. I got to figure that out. That's what I'm kind of thinking about now. It's like, what do I do for my birthday? Because what I want to do, I really wanted to bring all my friends together and, and, and celebrate. And cause I'm not usually a big party person, but my mom and I were like talking. I remember this time last year about what I wanted to do for 30. And now with COVID, I'm definitely not doing that. So what am I going to do instead? I don't know. So we'll see. I don't know. It'll be good. But regardless of what I do, it'll be good um, because I'll get to be with my family. And and even if I'm just Zooming with friends, that'll be nice too. So we'll see. It'll be good regardless though, for sure. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you for having me. This was so much fun. And I think, you know, it's so interesting about you and your show is you're, you're just at this pinnacle start of your life, you know? Mm-hmm. And I told you this before, but I'll tell you again, you created something so beautiful for yourself at a time where you're really just beginning this adventure and this journey of getting to know who Sophia is and what, what you're excited by. And so I feel really honored to be part of your journey in this small way and to be on your podcast. And uh, I can't thank you enough for having me. Really, this was this was a lot of fun. So thank you. Awesome. And where do people connect with you online? Yeah, so you can find everything about Seek the Joy podcast at seekthejoypodcast.com. We are at 
Seek the Joy everywhere, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. I'm just getting started on LinkedIn, so you can find me there too. Um, and then my personal Instagram is at uh, Sydney AW, but I'm sure you'll link it everywhere. But that's the best place to find me and find the show. And, and if you found the podcast via this amazing conversation with Sophia, um, please let me know. I'd love to connect and, and get to know you. So thank you again for having me. I, I just, this has been so much fun. Thank you so much. Awesome. I'm working on learning how to take a compliment. So like, I've had so many um, people give me compliments this week and I'm like, okay, Sophia, don't you say. know what I will say? You know what I will say though about taking in compliments? It's so hard. And I, I actually continue to struggle with it sometimes. And I think it's just like about letting it in, you know, you may not believe it or feel it in the moment, but someone else is seeing you that way, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think it's so it's so interesting because I've always struggled with that of being able to take in a compliment or take in, take in, really take in like how somebody is seeing me, you know, in that moment. But like I said, it's just practice. It's just practice and repetition. I remember, I remember my mom used to say to me, she's like, why do you respond so weird when someone gives you a compliment? I'm like, I don't know. It just feels weird. And she's like, just, just, just practice saying like, thank you so much. And then then dealing with your discomfort around it. And the discomfort often I have found for me, it comes from like not believing it or not seeing it that way. You know, I think we often like, not that we minimize the cool things that we do, but we don't see it for like what it is. And then often it takes like somebody else really seeing it for you to be like, there's some truth there, but it's a weird, it's really weird in the moment for sure. Yeah. (laughs) So that's one of the many things I'm working on right now, but yeah. It's okay. (laughs) Thank you guys so much for listening. I'd love if you can leave me a review on iTunes. Please feel free to share it with any friends you think the story would resonate with. I hope you guys have a great rest of your day.